0: If you have your Bibles, take a look at Proverbs, the 18th chapter and the 21st verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit thereof. The book of Proverbs can sometimes be a little confusing. Sometimes when you read a whole chapter, you get the sense that it is a little disjointed. After reading one sentence you move to another sentence and very often the latter sentence is dealing with an issue that seems to have nothing to do with the sentence you read before. The 18th proverb is not without exception in this sense. It is difficult to try and get to the root of what the author would want us to know because on the surface the proverb seems disjointed. But as I reviewed the whole chapter in greater detail, I began to notice a pattern. And I encourage you to read it on your own. Verses 4, 6, 7, 8, 13, 15, 17, 20, and 21, nine verses in all deal with the tongue or the mouth. So for this morning, I'd like to talk about your tongue in the sense of what you use it to say, very often, We take it for granted that we have the right to say whatever comes to our minds and to not think twice about the implications or even the consequences of our words. Words have consequences. So I want to spend some time looking at the implications of our words and to dispel two myths that have become far too accepted within the Christian church. To do this, I have titled today's sermon quite simply, Lip Service, The Power of Our Words. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, sweet Holy Spirit. We've now come to the preaching hour. And so, Lord, as I invite you, Lord, into my flesh, incarnate your spirit thereof, and breathe on this preacher, and breathe on this sermon, and make them both live. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For many of you, the name Joe Jones might not mean anything at all. But he was an R&B singer, songwriter, and arranger from New Orleans who had a hit song that actually reached number three on the pop chart. If the name doesn't ring a bell, perhaps this might. You talk too much. You worry me to death. You talk too much, you even worry my pet. You just talk, you talk too much. You talk about people that you don't know. You talk about people wherever you go. You just talk, you just talk too much. And I'll sing the last part. You talk about people that you've never seen. You talk about people, you make me want to scream. You just talk, you just talk too much. Now, I'm not a singer, and I tried my best to stay on key, and I'm trying to not make eye contact with anyone here. But I wouldn't necessarily say that Mr. Jones was a great theologian, but I believe that he was on to something biblical when he portends that we just talk too much. But the real issue here is not that we just talk too much. The real issue here is what are we saying? For you can talk a whole lot and at the same time not really say much of anything at all. On the other hand, you can be saying just a few words and your impact can be either positive or negative for yourself and for your hearers. Let's look again at what our text says in Proverbs the 18th chapter and the 21st verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I chose to pluck out that particular verse because I want to ask the question, are life and death really in the power of the tongue? What does that even mean? Which introduces myth number one, which is you can have anything you say. That's what a lot of us believe. You can have anything you say. Many people quote this text in isolation and sort of give it a metaphysical feel. That is to say, you can actually control reality with your words. But, but you have to give heed to the whole verse, which goes on further to say, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, whatever you speak, or whenever you speak to others, good or evil, it will have some repercussions. Let's read the whole portion of scripture again to gain the proper context. Proverbs 18, beginning at verse 19. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city, disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips. They are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. From what you speak, my brothers and sisters, will come consequences, good or bad. Not that you can control reality with your words, but what you say can affect others. Your words can hurt someone emotionally, or it can build them up emotionally. Your words do not control reality, but your words can and do influence it. So I I rebuke. I rebuke all preachers and proponents of the so-called name-it-and-claim-it gospel, which is my denunciation of the first myth. Just because you say it does not mean it will happen, whatever it may be. Now the ultimate sense of the Proverbs 18 and the 21st verse can be attributed to Solomon, who by being the king in a practical sense, had the power to pronounce condemnation, meaning death, or pardon, meaning life, over his subjects. In the same manner, Pontius Pilate, when he spoke to Jesus, said he had the power of life and death, and that whether Jesus would live or die was in his decision-making power. As a ruler in authority, in a certain sense, Pilate did have the authority to take the life of a sinful man, but he did not have authority Over the Son of God. And the proof of that is three days later, Jesus walked out of the grave. So you did not really have any power over life or death in the first place. And so my brothers and my sisters, I want you all to understand what I am saying. Your words have consequences. Your words have impact. But your words does not have the capacity nor the ability to create life or even cause death. Jesus said, no one takes it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So the power of life and death was only in Pilate's tongue as it relates to earthly judicial authority which God gave to him. Furthermore, Jesus affirmed that it is that which comes out of the mouth that defiles a man, not what goes in, as in the case of eating food. This again illustrates the point about the fruit of our speaking. In Jeremiah 17, verse 9, we are told the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Jesus further explains in Matthew the 15th chapter and the 18th through the 20th verse that those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. So my point is simply this, that it is what that comes out of the heart that defiles and make a man really polluted or offensive in the sight of God. And out of the heart comes the fruit of our words which can do harm emotionally just as our actions can affect someone physically. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man, out of his good treasure, the treasure of his heart, brings forth good things And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. It is not our words that have the power to change circumstances. Jesus is pointing to our heart as the origin of our words. That is either righteous and true or unrighteous and false. And either of these will produce a fruit that will affect others. So now let's dispel with the second myth which is the calling things that are not as though they were. This is the second myth. This we hear from a lot of church people. And it finds its root in Romans four seventeen, which says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God, here it is, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Some people will quote this text completely out of context and attribute to themselves something that is only attributable to God. The text says, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God, hear it clearly, the God who gives life to the dead, meaning Abraham and Sarah, the God, and calls into beings things that were not, meaning creating something that did not exist Before he called forth something ex nihilo something that was never there before God called it into being it should be very obvious to you that this verse is a reference to God not to you and to me it is a reference to God and to him alone who is the only one able to speak things into existence this were not true no person would be sick or die because we would actually just speak it and they would be okay to suggest that as believers we are capable of performing the same acts of creation is attributing godlike abilities to ourselves this exalts us to godhood and for me it has no biblical precedent and it is a form of idolatrous thinking nowhere Does the Bible teach or mean that believers can speak things that are not as though they were or speak things into existence? Nowhere do we find any of the the apostles practicing this kind of thinking, which many faith teachers seem to be promoting as a standard biblical doctrine. The question is, did God create the universe by speaking words? Yes, yes. And no. Why? Because, yes, because some things God made were spoken into existence, but not everything. Calling into existence is the description chosen by the writers of Scripture explaining what we creatures can never do. That is to create something from nothing. God spoke and things were created because that's who God is Elohim alone is the one who existed in eternity past, long before anything was made. He alone is all-powerful, all-knowing, and the cause of all things existing. There is, after all, one God, only one God, who is capable of calling what is not into existence. And his voice represents his ability, and it represents his authority to create from nothing. Romans 4.17, then, is a reference to Genesis, where God spoke and the physical universe came into being. Now, I want to walk you through this for a little bit, and I want you to walk with me. Genesis 1 and 3 says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1, 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Genesis 1 and 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. Genesis 1, 11. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Genesis 1, 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Genesis 1.20, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth. Genesis 1.24, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures. Finally, Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image. Eight times God spoke and things were created that were not in existence before. So ask yourself this question. Have you ever seen anyone who claims to have this ability do these things today? If not, then my point is you need to stop paying lip service by saying you're going to call things that are not as though they were. You can't do it. You have never done it. And it's unbiblical. Now, the truth is there are some things that God made that he didn't speak into existence. For example... The heavens and the earth in Genesis 1.1 are not said to be spoken into existence. This would include all the angelic creatures. I don't know. Furthermore, in Genesis 2.21, when God made man from the dusts of the earth and eat Eve from his side, he did not speak. All things, my brothers and sisters, Find their source in God, and he alone holds incomprehensible power that cannot be apprehended by man. Nothing came into existence without him. He is the source of all, and he alone upholds all. So now going back to the two myths. Have you ever seen someone name something, and it came to them just because they said it? And I'm not talking about coincidences. No, you have not. It's empty words and they are just delivering lip service. Myth number two, have you ever seen anyone speak something into existence at the moment they spoke? No, you have not. All you've heard is just them telling you something that makes you think that they have this power. It's empty words and they're just delivering lip service. We need to be very clear to look for a much better explanation than to rely on lip service from those who want power. My brothers and sisters, my point is your words matter. Your words mean something, but not in the way that people are telling you or even what many of us in the pulpit are telling you about your words. You can't name it and claim it, and it happens. Never going to happen. And you cannot make things that are not as though they were. You are not God. So let's get rid of that lie which forces people into that place where they think that they can, they can get away with not having to do the hard work of faith. To try to use these as quips to get through the difficulty of what God has orchestrated or even called you to do is a lie straight out of the pit. You can't name it and claim it and you can't call it and it comes into being. You and I, we are not God. So we settle that. So what does Solomon mean when he says to us then, death and life are in the power of the tongue? Preacher, that's what was said in the text. How are we to understand it? And we know the previous verse says what? A man's stomach shall be satisfied, watch this, from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips, he shall be satisfied. Filled. The text is pointing to the fact that your words, which is the fruit of your mouth, will produce something in you that you will experience in the bowels of your gut, meaning deep within your very souls. It is a consequence that comes with your words and to which you and I need to pay attention. This consequence can wound or bring healing to your spirit or to others, but it can't magically or mystically change any reality. Your words have significant influence, but it cannot produce life or death in and of itself. Let's look at a few more select scriptures, and hopefully this will bring the point. Proverbs, the 12th chapter, and the 17th through the 18th verse says this. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Promotes health. Proverbs 25, 15. By long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. Are you hearing the words that I'm telling you? I'm talking about what's happening to you. Proverbs 16:24: Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the bones. Proverbs 13 and 3, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that opened his mouth wide shall have destruction. And last but certainly not least, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. All of these scriptures speak to the consequences of words from both the speaker and the hearer. So the whole point of the sermon is about lip service and what kind of lip service you are providing in your circumstances. Are your lips serving your own self, which often produces guile, contempt, jealousies, envies, guilt, shame, and even attacks that tear down others while making you feel better about yourself? Or are your lips serving others Producing joy, happiness, kindness, encouragement, hope, and victory. For the truth is, as you are kind to others with your words, it actually soothes your very soul. What I'm telling you is that you could speak to someone, even right now. You could tell them, I am really proud of you. You could tell someone that, you know, I really, really appreciate what you are doing in this moment. It doesn't produce life, but it produces something that they experience down in the bowels of their stomach in their very souls. You did not produce life per se, but what you did was you gave people a sense of hope. You gave people a sense of meaning. You gave people an opportunity to discover the wonder and the majesty of God for themselves. And in a way, it's almost like giving them a new lease on life but in the same way you can tell someone something oh you know you're a good for nothing like your father you'll never amount to anything you can do all of these things and in a way down in the stomach and the very depth of the soul of a person they feel like they have spiritually died So when the Proverbs say life and death is in the power of the tongue and the fruit that you're bearing, we're talking about the impact, the influence that you're having on someone who's already alive. That may just end up being the walking dead because you chose to use your venomous words to hurt them. How are you using your words? What are the fruits of your lips? What is your lip service? Is it service for the good or is it service for the evil? But whether or not it's for the good or for the evil, make no mistake about it, church, you are offering some kind of lip service. Check yourself. Power does not reside in the words we speak. That ability is reserved for God and God alone, not man. But many people overcome very harmful words that were spoken to them, and many people believe some things with their whole heart that really doesn't matter. But they believe it. What you believe affects how you live. And just as I've shared, you could talk to people and hurt them. You could talk to people and bring them hope. But my brothers and sisters, you can talk to yourself and do the very same thing. What kind of lip service are you giving yourself? Be very careful what you're telling yourself. You know, I'm just no good, like everybody says. What you're doing is you're bearing a fruit down into the depths of your stomach. However, you can choose to believe a truth, or you can choose to believe a lie. You make that decision on your own. But do not underestimate the power, and in quotes, of your words in that regard. However, there's a truth for you to believe today, that has real power. This truth will take you from darkness to light. It's a power that comes not from my words, but from the words of the Lord. This, my brothers and sisters, is the only time that God gives you real power to speak real life. And it comes when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the grave. To make that declaration unleashes the same creative power that breathed life into Adam and made him a living soul. It is also the same breath that also asks the question, can these bones live? And to which, The same creative spirit of God that breathed life into Adam is the same spirit of the living God that can breathe life into your stomach, into your very soul, and take you from darkness to light. Now, I'm hoping that that sounds appealing to you, that that is something you would want. You would want to get out of the darkness of all of what people have told you about yourself. That is not true and step into a place where all that Jesus is telling you is, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He says things that lets you know that, listen, he is always with you. And when you start to say to yourself the words that Jesus says to you, then, my brothers and sisters, you're not using your words. You're using his words. And his words alone has real power. So when you say, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the grave, when you make that confession, those words no longer become your words. They become the words of the Lord, which now brings you out from the dark into God's light. Does that sound appealing to you? My hope is that it is. And if so, won't you speak life now and not death? For this is the only power that truly resides in your words, and which will dispel all the myths that you hear out there. This is my hope for you, and that's the only kind of lip service that really matters today. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.